Here's what I want you to know this morning uh, regarding this entire message. It's this, what you do every single day matters far more than what you do every once in a while. What you do every single day of your life matters so much more than what you do every once in a while. I think we all understand the contrast between what we do every day and what we do every once in a while. And if you don't, I'll just give you some examples. If you didn't take a shower every single day and you only bathe every once in a while, what would be the result of that? Probably be pretty stinky, right? If you didn't brush your teeth every single day and you brushed your teeth every once in a while, what's the contrast of brushing your teeth every day? You're gonna have some bad breath, right? And so there's these things in our life that we do every single day, like practically on autopilot. And there isn't a, a, a fight, there isn't a conversation we have with ourselves on whether or not those things should be done every day. We do those things every day because they matter. And it's interesting that there's things in our lives though that are just as important that we do every once in a while that we don't necessarily see as important enough to do every single day. What we do every single day matters far more than what we do every once in a while, guys. Because at the end of the day, our life will be gone and our body will be in the grave. But what we'll live on in eternity is the things we did in faith, the things we did in love, and the things we did in hope. Faith, hope, and love will live on in eternity. So when it comes to the things in our life that have to do with faith, love, and hope, can we say that we are practicing those things every single day, or are we just practicing those things every once in a while? Uh, I want to read the book of Ephesians to you. Uh, today, what my hope is is to really help you understand the importance of the day. As a matter of fact, the two things that I want you to understand in regards to how to get to a point where you live wide awake is understanding, first off, understanding the day understanding the power of the day and then we're going to look at the night and the power of sleep so we've got to understand the power of the day if we're going to seize the day if we're going to live every single day out the way that god intends us to live out and we also have to understand the night and the power of sleep because those are two things that we can't get away from you can get away from many things within your life you can escape many things but the sun rises on the wicked the same way that it rises on the righteous every single morning. There's, there's some things that we just can't get away from. And I'm excited to just um, share with you guys some insight, some biblical insight on what the Bible teaches regarding these things, the day and the night and the power of sleep. I want us to take a look at Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 5. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and go there. And uh, I want to be reading out of the Amplified version. So if you got your digital Bible, just go ahead and switch over to the AMP, the Amplified version. And I want you guys to check this out. Here's what the book of Ephesians says. It says, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light of God's precepts. For it is light that makes everything visible. For this reason... He says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead. Somebody say, wake up. And Christ will shine as dawn upon you and give you light. Therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor, purpose, and courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil. 
not as the unwise, but as the wise, sensible, intelligent, discerning people. Because the days are filled with evil. I'm sorry, I skipped the whole line. Making the most of every, making the most of your time on earth, recognizing each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence. Because the days are filled with evil. Therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. Father, I thank you so much for bringing us here this morning. And I pray, God, that our reason for being here uh, is for the purpose of worshiping you, making you the center of our life, not just through our body and lifting of the hands and singing of songs, but through the position of our heart today, God, and our ears. Lord, may we hear your word today, and may what you have to teach us through your word transform our life so that we'll never be the same again. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to summarize Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13 uh, through 17 for you. Um, here's basically a couple of truths that we get out of this. It's number one, it's that God's word is the light that makes everything visible. God's word is the light in our life that makes everything visible. So if there's going to be any illumination, on what our next step is. If there's going to be any illumination on where we're currently at within our life, the Bible teaches us that the greatest way for us to get any understanding, any clarity, is through the Word of God. God's Word is the light that makes everything visible. So the book of Ephesians teaches us. It also teaches us that the light of Christ Jesus is given to those who are awake. So who does the book of Ephesians say is awake. Who are the people that are awake? Now, I want you to look at this and just kind of look at this as a mirror, put it up to yourself and see if this could be you. It's number one, it's those who walk carefully. In other words, it's those who walk specifically, okay? It's those who walk in wisdom, not as the unwise. These are individuals who walk with, the sense, with some sensibility and discernment. The third thing is people, those who make the most of every day, on earth and recognize, capitalize on the opportunities that God has given with diligence. Okay, so read it again to you. Those who walk carefully, these are individuals who are awake. Those who walk in wisdom, not as the unwise, and those who make the most of every day on earth. These are the people who are wide awake. Can you say that that's you? Is that you? Are you doing everything you can to walk specifically, not aimlessly or carelessly, but carefully and specific. Can you say that your life um, has led you to a very specific point? And the second thing is, um, are you walking in wisdom, not as the unwise do? In other words, you're not living a life that is a carbon copy of other individuals, because see, God has a specific will and plan for your life. And no matter how uh, good people are in our life, we have great mentors, we have great teachers, but the life that our mentors and teachers have been called to live aren't necessarily the life that we've been called to live. There's a specific life God's called us to live. And, and on the flip side of that, the people we're doing life with, our coworkers, our best friends, maybe individuals in our life that don't know God the way that we know Him, there's a sense of uh, you know, competition within us to want to either be better than or be like other people. 
because we want acceptance or we want to gain some sense of success? Are we taking steps within our life that are wise or are we taking steps that are unwise because we're copying what the people are doing, okay? Um, the third thing is, are we making the most of every day on earth that God has given us? And I really want to help you guys this morning um, get some understanding and some clarity on what a day is. Because I think that if we really begin to understand biblically the day and the night, then it's going to help us make some decisions so that we can make some, take some careful steps, so we can have some specific goals, so we can take some wise steps, make more wise decisions, and we can make the most of every single day that God's given us. So what I want to do is I want to show you guys, within the Bible, um, we see uh, this idea of the Hebrew and Jewish day. Okay, uh, and I want to break this down for you. So, so guys, we're just, this is just going to be like a Bible nerd moment, but I promise that this is going to help you, okay? So check this out, I created this little uh, graphic here to kind of help us understand. Is the graphic up on the screen, the Hebrew Jewish day? Can you see that? Okay, so the Hebrew Jewish day starts at nightfall and it ends at nightfall, okay? And um, I, I say nightfall and, and they say specifically nightfall, not sunset because the, the day starts when, when, the, when, the, when the day is dark, in other words, when the sky is dark. And you know at times when the sun sets, there's still a little bit of sun left over and there's kind of a glow in the sky. For them, the, the, the next day officially starts when, when, the, when the night, when the sky is black, okay, when the sky is dark. So the Jewish Hebrew day starts at nightfall and it ends at nightfall. What I did on this graphic here was I put all the hours in the day so you'll see all 24 hours and I just basically based this specific graphic on our time zone so it doesn't really get dark the sun starts setting I believe about 830 um, here in Sacramento maybe 840 but it doesn't really get like really dark until about 9 p.m. okay so this is just based on kind of our Sacramento time so for us, nightfall would be 9 p.m. You see that there? See the 9? And then we transition all the way across the board um, to 8 p.m. Now, we see the daybreak, not the sunrise, but the daybreak um, happening about 5.40, 6 o'clock in the morning. So for us, if we were, in a sense, to live our life based on the Hebrew Jewish day, our day would start at nightfall. And it would end at nightfall, and in between the nightfall would be the daybreak, okay? The daybreak, similar to the nightfall, doesn't begin until, when, like, actually when the sun peeks out from over the mountains. The daybreak begins as soon as the light begins to penetrate the darkness in the sky. Make sense? Is right? Okay, so we see that um, with, within the Hebrew Jewish calendar. Now, there's another component that we've got to understand, too, because you're going to see this a lot within the Bible. And if you're a Bible reader... And, which you should be, and my biggest hope as a pastor is that you guys will fall in love with the Word of God. There's going to be so many scriptures that will begin to make sense to you when you understand the Hebrew day and the Jewish day. The second slide, you see it up there, is, is it, it, it's, a, it's a different element that is added to the Hebrew Jewish day, and it's an element that is divided by watches and hours. So a Jewish day, in a sense, is filled with four watches and four hours okay now these hours are these hours and watches are divided by threes so i kind of did the graphic there for you and you can see let's say at nightfall the next day begins 
where we technically would be into the second watch, which is from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m., and the third watch would start from 12 to 3 a.m., okay? Fourth watch from 3 to 6, and then the third hour would begin, which would be the morning, which would be 6 a.m. to 9, then we see the sixth hour, the ninth hour, the twelfth hour, and the first watch. Now, knowing this particular, uh, knowing the way that the Hebrews and the Jewish people tell time, it will help us when we read different stories within the Bible. Specifically, we know that you know, the Bible tells us specifically that Jesus gave his spirit unto God within the ninth hour, toward the end of the ninth hour. So we could look and we know that Jesus um, died on the cross about 3 p.m., between 2 and 3 p.m., based on what the Bible tells us, okay? But what I want you to understand here, guys, what I want you to see is that, you know, in comparison to our own life, I want you to just, let's not change the graphic, just keep it there. I want you to begin to look at your own life and see the time you get up normally, maybe your work schedule. I mean, if you can see all 24 hours there, it should give you a glimpse of maybe what a normal, typical day looks like for you. I don't know, can you see your, your, your kind of work schedule there? Can you see the times in the day where it's like your, your hangout, um, chill time, and the times of the day when you're actually working and busy and doing a lot? I don't know if you can see that there. Well, what I did was, I, if you go to the next graphic, I just kind of figured for the most part, at least our family, um, usually the time frame between 6 a.m. and 6 o'clock is the busiest time of our day. It's usually the busiest time of our day. Uh, you know, we're getting up, we're going to work, my wife's going to work, um, I'm going to work. This week I'm only working two days at Amazon, so my hours are fitting within that time zone, but my daughter's going to school. We're picking, I mean, everything we do, getting Faith to school, picking Faith up, school, getting Lisa to work, all getting me to work. There's a lot of busyness that goes on during that red zone time, okay? And so, you know, if we were to look at our American day, where, where does our American day begin? Usually our American day begins at daybreak. It begins when the sun comes up, right? And so we start our day when the sun comes up, and we usually end our day when it's when we get tired or it's time for us to go to bed. So what I want you to look at, though, here, can you see the red there that's highlighted there between 6 and 6? Can you see that? It's usually the busiest time of our day. I want you to realize something this morning that's very important for you to get. Because a typical day for us, especially as Americans who are very busy, consists of absolute busyness. We're up at 6 o'clock as soon as the sun comes up. We're getting up. We're doing breakfast. We're getting our kids ready. We're getting to work. It's just work, work, work. And usually we're having dinner about 6 o'clock and we're winding down. By the time we get to nightfall, we literally have just a couple of hours. And those couple of hours that we have, once the sun starts going down, we normally use those hours for leisure time. We're watching television. We're hanging out. We're just doing nothing. Why? Because we've had a very busy day. And we feel as though that's a reward for us. And we feel as though because our day has been filled with busyness and actual work that has caused us to sweat. You know, like, guys, you're working hard. That's the truth. I know a lot of you are working really hard. You've got jobs that are taking eight, nine hours of your day, and you really don't have much time for yourself. And so when you get home after a long day, what you do is you surrender to your weariness. You sink into the couch, and you just kind of relax, and you chill. And then you go to bed, do it all over again the next day, right? What's so interesting about the Hebrew day 
And I want you to, to notice the wording here between the hours. Why is it that between the first and the fourth hour, this time frame is described to us as watches? Because and you gotta you gotta catch this, like you really gotta get this. Because see, like if you're watching something, wouldn't you say that it's the opposite of closing your eyes and not watching something and sleeping? Am I, am I right? Because that kind of predominantly the way that we, we view the idea of watching. If, if we're sleeping from the first watch to the fourth watch, and our life is just all about the four hours, the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, the twelfth hour, the majority of our life is spent in energy and in time just in the hours, but the rest of our life where the Hebrews actually spend time watching is spent with our eyes closed sleeping. And friends, it's no wonder why many of us have a very difficult time seeing spiritual progress within our life. Now, I want to I I explain this to you. I want to explain this to you. I, I just want to, I want to propose this to you. The next graphic that I created here just going to give you a glimpse of this, um, and, and I'm, I'm just kind of stating this, and then I'm going to make my case here in a little bit, okay, and give you some biblical, major biblical support in how you can do this, because you're probably thinking, Josh, how in the world am I going to live the majority of my life when I should be resting and sleeping and actually capitalize on that? Like, like how am I going to make the most of that? Because that's when I'm tired. And I mean, scientists tell us that we need nine hours, seven to nine hours of sleep, okay? So Josh, how am I gonna do this? Like I'm working all the time, I got kids. Uh, what, are you, what are you trying to propose here? What I wanna propose before we get into what the Bible says regarding all of this, regarding the power of the day and the power of night, is I just want you to, for a moment, imagine the biggest steps you're taking toward change actually being done during the watch hours. So the first watch starts at 6 p.m. and the fourth watch ends at 6 a.m. What would happen in your life if you actually looked at the most productive part of your day being between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m.? What would that look like for you? What could you pull off? See, if you've been here for the last four messages, one of the things I've really been driving home is the idea of little steps, little decisions. It's the little things that God honors within our life that compound one on top of another that make the greatest change within our life. It's the little things. You see, going to work is a major deal for us. It's a, it's a make or break for many of us. It's like, if you don't go to work, you're not going to have the finances and the livelihood for you to continue to care for your kids, to pay your mortgage, to pay whatever bills you need to pay to survive, to live, right? So we tend to think that the daytime is the most important time. And it's why so many of us are so unhappy because we see other people progressing in life and we see, you know, it's like you always hear people say, well, you know, movie stars, their full-time job is to go to the gym and beautify themselves. That's why they look so good. You know, I wish I had eight hours a day to just go to the gym and work out and eat well, right? And so we, we, we look at other people who, in a sense, we think aren't using 
that time that we're allotted to to get our work done as having some form of, uh, some form of luxury or leg up on us because they're not doing what we're doing. Friends, I want to tell you, you've got to understand this. And there is some major scripture that we're going to get into that's just going to open up the eyes of your heart to see how powerful God's will and design is for our life that many of us are missing out on. Because either we've just never heard it or we've just never read it in the Bible. Once again, friends, the greatest difference you're going to make within your life is during the hours that you're actually not working. It's during the hours that you think are allotted for TV time, hangout time, leisure time, and sleeping time. I want to share some passages with you um, within the Bible. The first thing I want you to understand is the date, and I hope that I've given you some understanding on the Hebrew date. That's just my first objective. Okay, now here, the second thing I want you to understand is the night and the power of sleep. The night and the power of of sleep. Um, if you have your Bibles, um, I want you to go to the book of Job, chapter 33, uh, verses, and we're going to be reading verses 13 through 18. And I want to give you some insight here. I'm going to give you some biblical insight, and then I'm going to give you some practical things that you can actually do to apply to your life to begin capitalizing on those four watches. Here's the first thing. I want you to listen closely to this. Now, this, uh, just to kind of uh, set this up, this is um, Elihu is the one speaking this to Job. If you know anything about the story of Job, Job had four friends who came to so-called encourage him during the roughest season of his life. Three of the friends were in the wrong, and God himself within the book of Job said, those three friends you need to stop listening to because they're giving you the wrong advice. But Elihu was the only friend out of the four that actually had a word from the Lord that actually spoke on behalf of the Lord. So chapter 32 and 33 are powerful because um, we see Elihu giving some incredible wisdom to an individual who is going through one of the worst seasons of his life. If you want some encouragement, friends, man, just read Job 32 and 33 because this is the word of God that came through Elihu to Job. Let's check this out. I just want to focus on this specific insight that Elihu gives to Job, okay? He says this, why do you complain against him that he does not give an account of all of his doing? And he's telling Job, why are you complaining against God? That God is not giving an account. He's not giving you reasons why you're going through what you're going through. He's not giving you the answers to your prayers where you're asking him to give you some insight on why it is that I'm going through this, why I can't overcome this. Elijah says, why do you complain against God that he does not give an account for all of his doing? Indeed, God speaks once or twice, and yet no one notices it. So, you know, one of the biggest things I hear as a pastor from individuals who are in pursuit of a relationship with God is that God is silent, that God doesn't answer prayer, that God doesn't speak. Elihu was telling Job because Job was feeling that. He was feeling that. It's like, where's God? It's like, I'm going through one of the words. I've lost my kids, I've lost my wife, I've lost my, all of my cattle. I've lost everything that I've owned, and I don't hear anything coming from God to give me any encouragement that I'm going to make it through this alive. And Elihu says, why are you complaining against him? God doesn't just speak once, but he speaks twice, and yet no one notices it. 
in a dream, a vision of the night, when sound sleep falls on men while they slumber in their beds, then God opens up the ears of men. Wow, guys, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. You've got to understand this. I'm going to read it again, okay? Here's what the Bible says. Indeed, God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices it. In a dream, a vision of the night, when sound sleep falls on men while they slumber in their beds, then God opens up the ears of men and he seals their instruction that he may turn man aside from his conduct and keep man from pride. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from passing over into Sheol, which is the land of the dead. That's what he's saying here. I don't know if you're hearing me today, but friends, while you're sleeping, God is imparting, for those of you who are in a place of pursuit, who are in positioning yourself in a place where you actually want to hear from the Lord, and I'm going to get into some practical steps on things that you can specifically do during this time frame, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., that will transform your life and take your relationship with God to another level. Because friend, when you begin to live out a life that is in relation with God, what happens is you begin to become like God. All right? Your busyness and all the stuff you got going on throughout the day, you can't do much about that. But that's okay. Because even before technology and even before the eight to nine shift was created in America, God already had it figured out in the Old Testament. It was evening first, and then it was morning. And the reasons why the Hebrews and the Jews practice this idea of the day beginning at nightfall and ending at nightfall is because within the book of Genesis chapter 1, we see God himself mention this idea six times in the creation of man. Evening came first, then it was night, the day was done, and God said it was good. He said it six times. And so the Jewish people and the Hebrews they have always saw that as the actual day that life should be lived. So friends, you, I mean, I don't know if, if what I just read to you blows your mind, but God is actually speaking to us while we're in our deepest state of slumber. Here's a second verse I want to read to you, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9. And these should be on your notes there. At night, my soul longs for you. Indeed, my spirit within me seeks you diligently. Uh, you know, even when you are asleep, because your spirit doesn't sleep, friend. And theologically, your spirit doesn't rest, it doesn't sleep. Your spirit is awake. Your body sleeps. The Bible says that our spirit has a longing for God, and in that longing, it seeks the Lord diligently. It's not just like, here I am, God, love you. You're amazing. Oh, you're good. You know, no, your spirit is like seeking diligently specifics from God. And those specifics that your spirit is seeking from God, God, uh, Elihu in the book of Job gives us some insight. And he says that God gives us specific instruction when we're in our deepest state of slumber. And that instruction that he gives our spirit actually prevents us from, from falling into a pit or ending up in the land of the dead, Sheol, for eternity. That's just amazing. 
1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. Many of you who are believers have heard this story so many times, but I doubt many of you really understand what was happening here. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, because I've never heard anybody preach about this. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. The Bible says, In Gideon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. And God said, Ask what you wish me to give you. Okay, you gotta, you gotta get this. I mean, I, I, I mean, okay, we've heard of the book of we've heard of the book of Ecclesiastes. We've heard of the book of Proverbs, right? We've heard of these books of poetry and wisdom that were written by Solomon, who's the wisest man. The Bible tells us he's the wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth. Solomon was an absolutely wise man. How did he get his wisdom? Well, we know that he got his wisdom because God asked him. Because of his faithfulness in his life, God literally came to, to, to Solomon and said, Solomon, ask me anything that you want and I'll give it to you. But when did he come to Solomon? God came to Solomon while he was asleep. And God asked Solomon what it was that he wanted while he was asleep. And what did Solomon say? He said, I want, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. That's what Solomon said. He didn't say, I want a million dollars. I want to win the lottery. I want wisdom. So here's the first thing. If you have notes, the A part, Job 33, 13 through 8, gives us uh, the idea of what happens when God speaks to us. So if you want to fill in the blanks there, uh, this is what happens when God speaks to us. Isaiah 26, 9 gives us an idea of what happens when our spirit speaks to God. Okay, 1 Kings 3, 5 gives us the gifts of when God rewards us, all right? God rewarded Solomon for his faithfulness in his sleep, okay? He rewarded Solomon for his faithfulness in his sleep. I, I know that the determination of whether or not God is working things out for many of our lives is determined by the things we see him do with our physical eyes when we're awake. And, and it's why, once again, so many of us are unhappy in our pursuit of God. It's because we're basing our progress in life as believers specifically on just what we see. Just what we see with our own eyes when we're awake. But what about the things God's doing that are actually keeping us from falling in the pit of hell while we're sleeping? The rewards that he's giving us for those who are wide awake, who the light of Christ is on. See, there, there, there's, there's a prerequisite that I'm going to get to here because this isn't for everyone. This doesn't happen for everyone. As we read in the book of Ephesians, it gives us specific insight on the individuals who have the light of Christ on their life, okay? So I gave that to you guys. These are the individuals that we see walking in wisdom. These are the individuals who are walking specific lives. These are the individuals who are honoring the Lord with their life, okay? Who are making the most of every day that God has given them. These are the individuals that this happens to. The last scripture I want to share with you is, is uh, book of Daniel, chapter 2, verse 19. The Bible says... Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision while he slept. Wow, God reveals mysteries to us, reveals to us the answers in life that we're constantly seeking. He rewards our effort and our work and our faithfulness while we're asleep. He speaks specific to us within our life while we're asleep. Our spirit talks back to him diligently while we're asleep. This, this, is, this is some amazing stuff. So when we look at the Hebrew calendar and we see the watches, the first, second, third, fourth watch, 
different. I want to give you some insight and some encouragement to actually make those the time of day, that the time of day that you work the hardest. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 6 says, Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle. Right? I mean, you would, have, you would think it'd probably be different, different because I know many of us probably don't live our life that way. You know, we're sowing our seed in the morning, and at nighttime, we're resting. We're not doing anything. Book of Ecclesiastes, coming from Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, who God spoke to and rewarded while he slept, he says at nighttime is a time when our hands should not be idle. I want to give you guys just a couple of practical things. As a matter of fact, there's a there's a blog that I, I've had for a few years. Um, if you just Google Soul Chew, S-O-U-L-C-H-E-W, Soul Chew, uh, Josh Bueno, you'll find some writings that I've done on some very specific things that you can do to actually make the most of your day. What I want to encourage you guys this morning is this as I close. How is it that you're going to capitalize on the four watches within your life? The way that you're going to do it is you're actually going to have to make the most of your late night hours. It doesn't mean that you stay up all night. It just means that you set yourself up so that your spirit could be in a state as you sleep to receive what God has for you. Because the thing that's happening for most of us is either some of you are just up all night watching YouTube videos. I don't know, it could be of UFC fighters, it could be of street fights, it could be of cute cats dancing around. We're on our beds with our phones and we're, we're, we're receiving all of this stuff that's going on that has nothing to do, nothing to do with progress in our life. It has nothing to do with the will of God in your life. Now, hey, I love a funny cat video and I love prank videos on YouTube. When I'm down and I need to laugh, I will laugh for days watching prank videos on YouTube, okay? But when, uh, I want you to, to, to really um, understand this. When the nightfall comes, from here on out, when the nightfall comes, I want you to see it differently. I want you to begin seeing the darkness as an opportunity for you to begin to prepare for the daybreak that's about to come in about 12, 6, uh, maybe 10 hours. Because see, what we do during the first watch is going to determine what our life is like during the third hour. The first watch in the third hour, the third hour is six to nine. It's when we get going. It's when we start out our day. And psychologists say that whatever happens during that first 30 minutes from the time you get up in the bed is the determination of what your day is going to be like. So if you're getting up and you're tired and you're weary because you stayed up all night, or you're getting up and you don't feel good because you didn't eat the right foods the night before, or you're getting up late and you're late to work and you're stressed out and you're ticked off at everybody, friends, it's because you didn't prepare for what you knew was coming. The daybreak is coming, as I mentioned. The sun's not going to stop for you. Time's not going to stop for you. And you don't get a leg up on life by just sitting and waiting for God to magically open up all doors and make life easy for you. We've been called to work and labor the field that God has given us. The very first thing God instructed Adam and Eve when he created them was to be fruitful and multiply, to work the land God has given you. And we start that. Man, I'm giving you, I'm giving you something that will change your life if you get it this morning. When we start that at the first watch, and how you do that 
It could be, it could be a, a number of things. It could be tidying up the house. It could be something as simple as resetting the couch cushions. It could be something as simple as putting the dishes in the dishwasher. When we start taking, when we start making our hands active instead of just relaxing, because friend, you're, the ultimate relaxation you need is just sleep. That's it. When, when, when it's when it's all said and done, and it's time for you to go to bed. You're going to relax. You're going to fall asleep. Don't think that Netflix is your source of relaxation. It's not. It's entertainment. It's not relaxation. It's there to entertain you. It's in there to entice you. It's not there to relax you. That's not what it's there for. So when we take advantage of those late, those late hours, we do things like tidying up the kitchen, resetting the pillows, deciding what we're gonna want, what we're gonna wear tomorrow, planning what our meal's going to be tomorrow. My wife cracks up because like we're going to bed and I'm like, what's for dinner tomorrow? She's like, baby, you are too much. Like that's tomorrow. I'm like, hey, I'm just trying to get a leg up just so I know if I need to stop at the store. I've been doing that to her for 25 years, okay? 25 years. But look, what, am I, what are we gonna eat tomorrow, right? You know, because I mean, I'm telling you, these are some very simple things that you can apply to your life that will actually make tomorrow more enjoyable instead of more stressful. Because friend, the reason why your life is so stressed is because you have not taken hold of your day. It's the power of your day is in your hands. And you gotta get hold of it. You gotta get hold of it. You gotta get a hold of it. Now spiritually, spiritually, this is the time where you should be praying and crying out to God. The book of Ezekiel says in the nighttime, I cry out to the Lord on behalf of my kids. At night is when we should be praying as we're laying in our bed and crying out to God for what could possibly happen tomorrow. And as we position ourselves in the place of, it could be cleanliness, preparation, and spiritual insight through a scripture, through a devotion, through a book, whatever, whatever it is that you may may want to do. For me, guys, I have this app that I use that I actually press play and it automatically turns off on my phone. And it's a Christian app, a Christian meditation app. And I want you to look into this because whatever it is that you've dealt with that specific day, if you had a very stressful day, I can select a stressful meditation that's going to give me scriptures that are going to speak into my life as I sleep. And man, I got the water running on my phone. I got the scriptures going. It's under my pillow. And I'm going to bed and it's going to turn off by itself. And it's become so relaxing. Because see, I understand that my spirit is not going to sleep. My spirit is up. And whatever I'm filling myself with before I rest is going to be a determination of what it is that's going to guide my life tomorrow. You've got to get that. So when you're, when, you're, when you're doing things that are going to give you an advance, not just physically, but spiritually in your life, the next day, you've already beat it. Because see, whatever comes tomorrow, whether it was a bad day or not, because I lived my life, my day began at the first night watch. My day was already a success because I started my day off the right way. And I'm not going to determine what happens between the red zone, between those eight hours a day where I'm busy and I'm preoccupied and I'm living out everyone else's vision for my life because I'm bound by work and finances, which we, we, we have to be bound by that. But I'm living that out. We've got to take time. We ourselves can pour into us. Let the word of God come into our hearts. Let it prepare us. Let our mindset be shifted to the focus of who God is and how powerful he is and how great he is. And guys, when we do that, we're setting ourselves up to have conversations with the spirit of God while we sleep. 
We're setting ourselves up to receive insight and wisdom that we could never get while we were away from God. God desires so much to commune with you, even in your sleep. Even in your sleep. And I think it just makes so much sense. Because the truth is, it's like, that's for probably 95% of us, including myself, that's the only time that he gets all of me. Because we're so busy with everything else. And it makes so much sense why God would bless us in our sleep, reward us in our sleep, converse with us in our sleep, give us instruction for our life within our sleep. Because it's the only time that we'll actually give him the time of day. But how do you sleep? what you become tomorrow, it's in your hands. It's in your hands on what you do tonight. As soon as the nightfall comes, I want you to start thinking about things that I can start getting a leg up on. Because those little decisions, those tiny changes that you start implementing in your life at night, oh, it's going to reap. It's going to reap some beauty within your life. You're going to see transformation. And you're going to see God just bring massive hope and healing to your life and the light of Christ as the book of Ephesians says will be upon your life. Father, thank you so much for your word.